Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. To me, I love normally traveling in developing countries because it, they're so different than our culture. And I, that's what really inspires me to travel in general is like just the curiosity about culture. But on the other spectrum, you know, of developing countries, there's Japan, which I said is like this utopia of technology. And, and it's just as fascinating to me because it's so vastly different than what we're used to. Welcome to Jump Podcast, formerly known as the Budget-Minded Traveler. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Hey guys, welcome back to Jump. Thanks for tuning in today, wherever you are in the world. I'm wondering if some of you already know our guest today. I'm inviting the one and only Sherry Ott to join us. Sherry runs a travel blog called Ott's World. Her last name is Ott, O-T-T, Ott's World. And she's been doing it for well over a decade now. So chances are you may know her or have come across her stuff in the past. She is also Ott's World on Instagram. And she's a photographer and she travels constantly And she's a friend of mine. So she is a fun one to follow on the interwebs if you want to check out her stuff. She is also a wealth of knowledge when it comes to hiking and long distance trails. Um, She actually did the Camino de Santiago years ago. And as soon as she finished, (laughs) she decided she needed to do more trips and trails like that. So she has spent a lot of her travels seeking them out, which is why we get to have her here today. She actually just got back from Japan where she did a pilgrimage called the Kamano Kodo Trail. I don't know if you guys have heard of that one before, but she is going to take us there and tell us everything we need to know about the Kamano Kodo Trail. And um, definitely stick around because I have a very very special bonus for you at the end of this episode. So if you are interested in hiking the Kamano Kodo Trail or are heading to Japan soon, you'll want to hear that part for sure. So make sure you listen all the way to the end for that. This episode is brought to you by Escape Camper Vans. These guys are the largest camper van rental company in North America. They have over 600 vans in 12 depot stations across the country, which gives you the option of a round trip or a one-way rental, allowing you to do an epic point-to-point road trip. Think about these for hitting a festival or needing a place to sleep or picking one up for the weekend or perhaps taking it on a camping road trip where you'd rather not sleep on the ground. They're all equipped with queen size beds, kitchens with sinks, stoves, fridges, and they offer bedding and kitchen supply kits to rent. So you don't have to pack all that gear yourself. And since they're vans, they get better gas mileage and are far less cumbersome than big RVs. Rentals start at just $37 a day in low season, and it gets better because they're offering us a 10% discount. So just go to escapecampervans.com slash jump and enter the promo code jump10 to get your discount. And then come find me on Instagram and tell me where you're taking your van because I would love to hear about your adventures. Our other supporting partner for today's episode is CashSwap. CashSwap is the app that makes foreign currency exchange 100% free. How? By swapping out your currency directly with other travelers at airports. You simply open up the app, enter the currency you want to swap out and the currency you need, and then you can see who's there to connect and swap with. The exchange rates are calculated in real time with no fees, and you instantly get to see how much you're saving on every transaction um, by not using a money exchange desk. 
And we're all fans of safety here. And so is CashSwap. That's why they require every member to provide a real photo of themselves for their profiles. Members can be rated by other members. Communication happens directly through the app. So there's no exchange of personal information. And keep in mind, CashSwap was purposely designed to only function within airports, which already have security protocols in place. So it's pretty straightforward. Travel, connect, swap, and save. Go to cashswapapp.com to learn more or download it on Google Play. iPhone users, hang tight, keep an eye out. They hope to be on iOS soon. Okay, I'm excited for this. Let's get Sherry on here and transport our minds to Japan and the Kamanokoto Trail. All right. I am here with Sherry Ott, who just got back. Actually, I think I probably woke her up with this call this morning um, from Japan. So Sherry, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. I'll be at a little jet lagged. <laughs> yeah. I, I did just get in late last night and I'd been in Japan for three weeks. So it's uh, it's going to be a little bit of a shock to the system for the next few days. Yeah, I bet. I love <laughs> it. We get you like fresh off the plane. Like your head probably hasn't even had time to process everything that you just went through. And we're going to go there anyway. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> well, good. As long as, as long as you know that. But yes, I am. I'm good to go. I was wondering where my miso soup was this morning. I didn't oh. have any. I missed it. Oh. <laughs> was that, did you have that like every day? Yeah, most of, yeah, Japanese breakfast, always miso soup, normally some fish, various other things that I had no idea what it was. But yeah, I got used to that. (laughs) Wow, that's so cool. So you were there for three weeks and that is what we are here to talk about, of course. So um, I guess we can get right into it. You did a portion of, it's just a portion that you did of the Kamanokoto, right? Well, it's a... It's a good question because what I did was the Kamanukoto and it's unlike like a regular pilgrimage route where you have a very specific beginning and ending. It's a little bit more, what do I want to say, haphazard than that. Okay. <laughs> but, but yes, I did five days of it, basically, went from one place to and finished at a temple, but there were a few times where I had to take buses in order to kind of make that work. But uh, yeah, so I okay. did the pilgrimage. I technically got the status of a pilgrim, a mm-hmm. Kamanukoto pilgrim. Um, and there are longer routes. There's about seven routes that okay. you can do on the Kamanukoto. Okay, so let's start with the first question, which is <laughs> what, what is the Kamanukoto? Like you have already mentioned that it's a pilgrimage. Uh-huh. Um, this is, we we did talk a few episodes back about the Camino de Santiago in Spain being a pilgrimage. Um, so maybe you can enlighten us a little bit about what the Kamanukoto Trail actually is. Yes. Uh, I wish I'd, I wish I could say I fully understood it, but I still, it's something very different. Um, it is a pilgrimage, uh, but it's not a Christian pilgrimage. It's a ancient pilgrimage from the 11th century in which um, basically people from all walks of life from emperor to samurai to just regular people used to complete. And I I shouldn't even say complete. They used to walk in this area. So it was considered the key peninsula, which is uh, south of Osaka. It's one of the biggest peninsulas in Japan, is the area for the Kumano hikes. And ki, K-I-I, actually means tree. And this whole area is filled with mountains and trees. <laughs> mm, sounds beautiful. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's just green trees everywhere. But this was an area where people used to come to kind of cleanse themselves in a way. It was a it was a process of purification and praying and um, kind of becoming one with nature. So, you know, whereas the Camino de Santiago is this whole process of walking to the end and basically being forgiven of your sins, getting the um, Compostela, the Kamanukoto isn't quite as clear as that, but it is this idea of pilgrimaging through these kind of sacred mountains to three, there's three different sacred shrines that you can attend or go to. 
And it's a process of purification and getting closer to nature. So that's, okay. that's what it is from a historical standpoint. Uh, now it has developed into these kind of seven routes. And it also, I can't remember what year it was, but it achieved UNESCO World Heritage status okay. a few years ago. And it is the only other pilgrimage route, basically, that has achieved UNESCO status in addition to the Camino de Santiago. So that's why lots of times they're talked about together. Okay. As kind of sister pilgrimages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, you did mention that earlier. So that does make sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, but they're two very different religions. So the other thing is the Japanese basically practice Buddhism and Shintoism, which are their two religions. And what the Kamanu Kodo or what this area did was kind of bring the two together and intermix them. So it is spiritual, definitely mm -hmm. spiritual, but it's just, it's not like the Christianity that many Americans are used mm -hmm. to. Yeah. Okay. So do you know, um, I have two questions to follow that up. Do you know approximately, like, how, is it pretty touristy or do you know? I'm, well, that's a hard question too, because there are multiple different routes, I suppose. Uh -huh. But I mean, I know that it's not as popular as the Camino. We can start oh, with that. Not at all. Yeah. So did you see a lot of people when you were out there? I mean, who knows about no. this and who's going to do this? <laughs> Hikers? Or do you think people are there to actually respect the the reason it's there and go to like kind of cleanse and do like the nature thing? What do you think about that? It depends. So as far as the reason people are there, it depends. I would say the few Japanese people that I met along the trail, it was a little bit more of a maybe kind of a spiritual journey for them. Whereas all of kind of the, the Westerners, Western Europeans, Americans are probably there mainly to hike. And a lot of people, I have a feeling, are there who have walked the Camino de Santiago and are looking for other pilgrimages to do, which is mm. what really brought me there too. So as far as how many people, it's a good question. I actually um, asked one of the big uh, providers there that I worked with, Oku Japan, if they had any stats on the number of people who finished or, you know, but like I said, it's not a real clear cut start and finish. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's hard to say, and they didn't have any numbers, nor did the tourism board really, um, mm. any real good numbers that they could share with me, sadly. But from my experience, no, there were not a lot of people at all. <laughs> um, wow. On average, like I did count one day, it was a full day of hiking for me. I think it was only like, it's a little over six miles, but it was a long day because it was up and down through these mountains. I walked solo, but in that day, I saw only... I think it was 10 other groups of people. And that mainly consisted of couples. Uh, there was maybe two out of those 10 that was bigger groups that were hiking together, let's say 10 or more, or let's say 10, probably 10 people. Mm -hmm. And then there were very few solo hikers too. I mean, I maybe ran across two other solo hikers. So I thought that was really interesting. Most of the time I was out there hiking, I was pretty much felt completely alone. So in that way, oh. it's nothing, in many ways, actually, it's nothing like the Camino. To me, the only thing that the Camino and this pilgrimage, the Kamanu Kodo, have in common are the UNESCO uh, status. Otherwise, Which, they're wow. two very different things. Okay, yeah, that pretty much <laughs> means it's exactly like... Yeah, totally different from the Camino. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and they're both pilgrimages, you know, yeah. but well, the religion right. is different. And but the type of pilgrimage is very, very different. The one thing also to know is because it's just gaining popularity, there the infrastructure around it is not there yet. And I don't know that it'll ever get there as far as like the Camino de Santiago, which has so much infrastructure around it in the sense of like lodging restaurants, you know, services mm -hmm. for the pilgrims. This is very much restricted because the places where you go, the um, the villages are small and there's not a lot of lodging options. So it's kind of self-restricted by the fact that there's nowhere to stay right. if you don't book early enough or if you don't organize it. It's not the type of trail, at least during the higher seasons, probably in the winter, this would be okay. But 
anything other than winter. It's not the kind of trail where you just walk and hope to find a place to stay when you're done walking. <laughs> right. And uh, apparently that ahead. apparently you can do that on the Camino, like depending on yes, the season. Totally. Yeah. That's what okay. I did the okay. whole way through. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. And so let's, let's be clear about the timing. You, um, this is June right now. Mm-hmm. And so you were there at, walking the trail the at the end of, of May. the last week of May. Mm-hmm. And that was shoulder season or do you think that was tourist season getting into uh, it? It's, you know, I would say it's kind of on the, it's near shoulder season uh, because June can, is considered rainy season for Japan. Oh, okay. So most people had told me, had suggested that I, you know, get as much, but, you know, don't really come too much in June. Maybe beginning of June is okay. But the other thing that you have to think about, um, and this is, I think Oku really helped me with this too, is I was going to go at the beginning of May and they're like, no, don't even bother because it's golden week in Japan, which is like a week long holiday. And they're like, don't even bother oh. coming then because it would be a mess. So that's why I moved it to later in May. I think, but I of course don't know because I didn't do it. I personally think the best times to go would be early spring, like say March, April, mm-hmm. And then probably fall, let's say September, October, November. I think the summer would be pretty warm and you'd contend with rain, a lot more rain probably in June and part of July. Okay. That's good intel. And if you go in the spring, that's um, cherry blossom season, right? Yes. Yes. Now, granted, you are walking mainly not through cherry trees. You're walking through Japanese cedar, Mm -hmm. but... Still, it would be beautiful. It's a good time to be in Japan regardless. Right. Yeah. You can you can go to Kyoto, what, right? And see the <laughs> yeah. cherry blossoms there. Yeah. Do that yeah. first so yeah. you can see all the crowds and then escape to the key peninsula yeah. and like, you know, forest bathe in the mountains. That's- yeah. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So um, you mentioned that you did it solo, but you did go with Oku. So... Did they, did they provide, was it easy to follow the, um, the path or like, were, were there signs along the way? Did they have to give you instructions? I'm like thinking back to when I went on my bike tours and like, yes. we had to follow the directions. Otherwise we would have been lost, <laughs> but in a place like, I don't know, the W for example, in Torres del Paine, yeah. like you can't really get lost there. Like it's exactly. pretty easy to follow. So how was it? In Japan? And, and I've done the W. So yes, I would say it was more like the W, you really can't get lost. Okay. However, um, yes, I went with Oku. Oku provides a self-guided option Mm -hmm. where they help you set up. They basically help you kind of figure out how many days you're going to be there and the route that you want to take. They help you set up all the lodging, um, any food that kind of goes along with the lodging. And they do give you a ton of information on maps and like how to get to the trailheads. And then there are a lot of places too, where, like I said, unlike the Camino, where you do sometimes have to take a bus or some kind of public transportation to get to the next place. And they help you organize all of that. Now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll be very honest. I freaked out when I got their big packet of information and I started reading through it, of course, at the last minute, because I do everything last minute. So like, you know, the week before I'm supposed to go, I'm reading through all of this stuff about every day and all these detailed things about the, the, you know, the trail and the maps and all this stuff. And I kind of freaked out because I'm like, oh my God, this is so much harder than I thought it was going to be. And I'm imagining myself getting <laughs> lost and, you know, walking alone and all this stuff. And I actually wrote them and, uh, and I'm like, wow, this seems really complicated. And they're like, no, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And so I get there and it wasn't complicated at all. What <laughs> I learned to do from the logistics kind of the logistics stuff that they sent me was not really too much, not worry too much about it, but only read one day at a time. Mm. <laughs> like, what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh, I have to get up and I have to catch this bus and, you know, whatever, or I'm walking this route and day by day, it's really easy. And I didn't even, honestly, I didn't even open their maps when I was on the trail. So that's how easy it was when wow. we're on the trail. Okay. I don't, maybe only can I think of two times that in my head I thought, I hope I'm on the right trail. Did I miss something? <laughs> yeah. you, you know, two times in like five days, that's not bad when you're hiking. In yeah, the no kidding. 
So wow, okay. and it wasn't because, you know, I was following other people or that was really evident because no, I didn't, most of the time I felt like I was alone. I didn't see people, mm-hmm. but it was just that well marked because the woods are so thick that the trail through there is very obvious. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Did you use, so you didn't use their maps. Did you ever (laughs) like pull out your phone or anything to make sure you were on the right way? Like, did or was it just that simple? Probably in the five days I pulled out my phone twice to make sure I was, but honestly, it was more of a, it wasn't even to see that I was on the right track. It was more to go, how close am I to the, how far (laughs) And, you know, how, how far am I from this town yeah. from a like GPS standpoint? Okay. Right. Uh, it was really just that. Um, otherwise it was, it was really easy. And the marking, I, they do a really good job of maintaining the trails and the, the trail building. There were a number of times where I'm like, damn, this is really good trail building. Like, you know, you can appreciate how hard it is to build and maintain trails and they do a nice job. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then since you were alone, I have to ask the obligatory solo female (laughs) travel safety question. Was there any time that you felt unsafe or were you chilling? Never. Never felt unsafe. (laughs) My favorite answer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And granted, I've traveled a lot of places solo, so I probably have a higher tolerance. But I mean, I honestly think that anyone could go there and feel safe. Now, they may not feel... I know plenty of you know, especially solo women who might not feel comfortable hiking in the woods by themselves. They maybe mm-hmm. they would freak out about that because like I said, you don't always see other people. It was safe. It was definitely safe. Okay. And even along the route, they always had every half kilometer, they had a, a sign with numbers. So you could kind of see how, you know, far you've gone and so on. And on that sign, there were always emergency numbers and stuff like that. Oh, too. Wow. So how thorough. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it was, well, it's Jap- it, you know, it's Japanese. Everything yeah. is, that's the one thing I learned in the three weeks I was there. Everything is perfect. <laughs> it is perfect. I swear to God, if they, I wouldn't have been surprised if they were out sweeping the trail. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. Everything is so perfect there and so well marked. Yeah. And that's the other thing to know about the safety aspect. So just being in Japan for three weeks, like it is really one of the most safest countries I've ever been in where like, I didn't worry about pickpockets. You don't worry about any of that. Like people on the subway in Tokyo, they put their briefcases and stuff just like up on a shelf above them where, you know, I used to live in New York for a while. And I looked at that and went, anyone could take that and just run out. Yeah. (laughs) But no, it is, it made me kind of uh, lazy a little bit. I have to, (laughs) to Mm. admit because I wasn't normally as diligent as I would be in some respects, but yeah, yeah, it's a very safe country to travel in. Yeah. Lock that up before you go on your next trip. <laughs> get, <laughs> get that back in, get back in the habit of looking over your shoulder or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <Exactly>. No, <laughs> um, no, that's really cool to hear. Um, along the lines of uh, signage and stuff like that along the trail, going back to the idea that this is for kind of a spiritual journey, you know, and that there are shrines here and there, and there are, I'm sure there are certain, you know, specific things along the way that you're meant to, I don't know, stop and hang out for a bit or something. Do they have, is it, is it like for someone who does go alone, do you get insight? Cause basically when you don't have a guide telling you these things, uh-huh. how do you find this out on your own? Like, do you have to do research? Cause I don't love doing research, but if something's right in front of me, and says like, this is what this is for. Like, this is what this area is meant to be or whatever. Like, was it in that respect, was it easy to understand the kind of environment you were in? Well, I would say I'm like you. I don't do any research before I go <laughs> typically. Yeah. So like when I took off on that first day and made my way from uh, Osaka down to the trailhead, I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> or what, what this was all about. And I learned along the way, but you know... I would say the the signage there is good, but it's not necessarily explaining the whole thing. So what I found that I had to do was, you know, I hopped on the Oku website a number of times to get some clarity on a few things. You talk to people as you go, you learn things as you go in that way more than like, then I would say like signage would help. Mm. Every, now one thing to know is 
there are three what they call kind of sacred shrines. And like the route that I went, I hiked to two of them and then I visited the third one by other transportation. But there are three sacred shrines that are big shrines and they all have different kind of reasons why they're there. And then all along the way though, this whole route are what they call OGs, O-J-I. And OGs are like little shrines tiny little shrines, sometimes, well, sometimes bigger, like little huts, or sometimes it's just a rock, you know, that's carved. Mm -hmm. And the idea behind those is people in ancient times, as well as now, stop and um, do their prayers and sometimes purification if that's available, you know, so there's all these little things along the way. And at each one of those, there was normally a sign, and it would have the name of the OG shrine and a little bit about it, but it was pretty limited, I would say. Also, the importance of those shrines for people who might not be so spiritual is there was always a little cute little wooden, what I called house, you know, bigger than a birdhouse, but not much, Mm, like twice the size of a birdhouse that housed the stamps and ink. So much like you have a Camino de Santiago pilgrim passport. You have a passport also for this that you can pick up at the tourism center before you start. And then you stamp your passport at the little OGs all along the way. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it was even the OG stamp houses were perfect. It was ridiculous. (laughs) Like they didn't run out of ink? (laughs) No, there was never a time where there wasn't a stamp or there was, you know, the the ink didn't, the ink pad. They, I mean, they ask you like, it had a little door, a spring loaded door and you'd open it up and there's the little ink pads in there. And they had the door on there because of course they didn't want the little stamp thing to, you know, to dry out of ink or, you know, like, oh my God. Wow. (laughs) That sounds like fairy tale land. It is. I kept on calling Japan in general a like utopia, like a sci-fi utopia yeah. country. It is. It's 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 so crazy. Having traveled throughout the rest and lived mm-hmm. in parts of Asia, it's really nothing like the part any other part of Asia. So. Or the rest of the world, maybe. Or <laughs> like, that too. Yes, yeah. I know. <laughs> I keep hearing I just it, recently, especially living in 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 Montana, um, there's like a mass exodus in. Ja- in fact, I almost just said this instead of January. They call it Japanuary because oh. everybody like leaves Montana to go ski in Japan, and I just oh, keep yeah. hearing more and more and more about Japan these days, um, which is. That, that's why we're doing this episode, actually, really, because it's just piqued my interest so much. And that is one of the things I hear no matter what is like how proper and like uh, per- perfect everything is there. And I've never been there. And so all I can do is ask and imagine, you know? Yeah, it'll and, blow your mind. Like to me, I love normally traveling in developing countries because it, they're so different than our culture. And I, that's what really inspires me to travel in general is like, just the curiosity about culture. But on the other spectrum, you know, of developing countries, there's Japan, which I said is like this utopia of technology. And and it's just as fascinating to me because it's so vastly Mm -hmm. different than what we're used to. Mm -hmm. And there's so many cultural differences, more so than even, you know, the Camino de Santiago, if I think, you know, you're hiking through Spain, people are somewhat familiar with Europe. But part of this too, part of the fun of the Kamanu Kodo to me is you're staying in, you know, people's homes or these traditional Japanese inns, which are so different than anything you've experienced in other parts of the world. And you really do, like, to me, I think you get a little bit more exposed to the culture on this because you are staying in these much smaller lodges and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and eating in smaller places. That is so. that is so important. And I actually would love to talk a little bit more about that because yeah. so in fact, if, if you wouldn't mind just like describing a couple of the places where you stayed and who you came into contact there, because one of the reasons that I had, I just, I love having a guide really is because I feel like I learn so not, not, I feel like I do. I learn mm-hmm. way more about where I am. And I've, and I, what I have learned is the importance of that. 
in a trip, you know, like don't just come and see and be like, oh, that's pretty. Like, what is that here for? And like, why are you here? You know? And so I love having the guide because I feel like I take so much more appreciation for the place away from it. Uh-huh. You know, even if I just visit a city and then do a guided walking tour. I'm also a big fan of those. Um, yep. Just like the free guided walking tour in a city, because how many things are we looking at that we just, we miss the meaning of it or or we oh. walk right by because we don't realize it's there. And so yeah. I love that you said you, you stayed in homestays and like, w- what was the cultural impact? Like, what did you learn? What did you see? What oh, were the places man. like? Well, and I would say also, I'm like you, I normally do hike with guides. So this was a this was kind of a flashback for me from how I to how I used to travel mm-hmm. more. Yeah. This was just completely solo and out hiking or whatever. And you know, it was different in that sense. But one of the things that I kind of also learned to do was jot down the millions of questions I would have about things along mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, why this, what's this, what does this mean? Whatever. <laughs> and then when I did get to some place, you know, in the evening or whatever. I had questions I could ask people mm-hmm. and try to slowly piece together this puzzle of culture. Yeah. And so the the types of places I stayed, oh my God, they were so cute. Like the first night I stayed at, actually it was someone's house. I mean, you'd call it a guest house, but mm-hmm. this was really just someone's house, like <laughs> an Airbnb in a way. But um, Yae Sun, that was her her name, she, her children were older and out of the house. So they rented out their, I think, extra two bedrooms. So only two bedrooms, you mm-hmm. know, would be filled. And I happened to be the only person there that night. And she cooked for you. She made dinner and made breakfast and then sent me with a little lunchbox. You know, oh, for the cool. next day. I know. <laughs> they call yeah. it snack lunch, which I think is really cute. Snack lunch. Um, snack lunch. What was in uh, your snack lunch? Oh my God. Every day it was like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) You can't tell me. (laughs) I don't know. I don't have no idea what I ate most of the time. Was it colorful? 80% of the time I had no idea what I was eating, but I eat it. Yeah. A lot of it, actually the, the real important stuff was lots of times you would just get these like rice balls with a little bit of, um, it would just be, you know, Japanese rice with maybe some wasabi flakes or seaweed flakes, or sometimes they'd be wrapped in, in seaweed but, you know, like instant carbs, basically, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was good. You needed that. And then lots of times you'd get a little piece of fish, maybe a little piece of chicken, but lots of rice. That was like the the fuel and the, yeah. you know, mm. so, but, but that was fine. I also yeah. brought some cliff bars and stuff like that. But okay, yeah. I mainly, you get so much food on this route. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, you do. Like, oh my God, there was never a time where I was hungry. That's for sure. That's good to so, know. So sometimes you stayed in little guest houses like I did with her. Did uh, can, real quick, do yeah. they speak English? She did. Okay. So so I would say like Oku does a nice job of the 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 places they normally work with and especially if it's a small little place like that, they'll make sure that they speak English. You know. So yes, Yai-san did speak English okay. and she had really good English too. It oh, was nice. It was awesome. And she had a really fascinating past and she had done a lot of travels. So that was really cool. So you obviously spent a lot of time talking to her, which is cool. I did. Well, I was yeah. the only one there. It yeah. was me and her at house. Yay. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She was an awesome cook. Oh, the food was amazing. Mm. And she had a big garden and everything she cooked was kind of from her garden. So we went out and looked at that and stuff like that. And then the next night, let me think. Oh, this was different. I, the next night, so Oku is one of, I think they, well, they say they're the only company that does like, you know, that services the Kamanu Koto that has an office right on the trail. And mm. they do. <laughs> and that night I actually stayed in their office. Now, I don't think that that's a normal place that they put people up, but mm-hmm. I, I could be wrong. I think the, the town that I was in that night was pretty booked up oh. and, I think that's kind of one of their, you know, options is you can stay there, but it's an old uh, Japanese wooden home. So it was the traditional house kind of behind the office part. There was this traditional house with the, you know, the little mats and, you know, a a futon on the floor and the, everything's on the floor. There's nothing really, you know, and uh, so it was a really cool place to stay. Oh, cool. 
you know, the little sliding doors and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So you that know was what? neat. I feel like I saw a picture of, did I maybe see a picture of that on your Instagram? Did oh, you probably post that somewhere. I feel like I can picture it. I was following your whole trek on Instagram. So there were lots and lots of pictures. Yes, I know I put it on Instagram stories. Yeah. uh, Did we mention that Sherry's a photographer? (laughs) Ots World at Ots World. Yeah. (laughs) And then the next night I was at a traditional, also a traditional Japanese inn, a ryokin is what you'd call it. And the the ryokins are the ones with the the mats. um, What's it called? tatami mats, but they're a special mat and, you know, the little two inch futon on the floor and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And that was a really neat place. I was there at an onsen. That was a little higher end place. Yeah. Let's explain real quick what an onsen is because (laughs) that word is all over the place once you start talking about Japan and like, we don't know what that means unless you explain it. So what is an onsen? might freak you out, but I loved it. Um, Public bathing. It's a public bath. Yeah. There you go. Like a hot spring. So, but... Yes. Yeah. But, uh, and yes, most of them are hot springs, but just even the way that the Japanese culture, uh, this is going to sound weird, bathes is so different than how we think about how we think about it. So even, let me just say, even in the guest houses, they would draw a bath for me. Oh, that sounds a hot, hot, hot bath. And it had a little cover on it that you could roll back so that it would keep it at this very specific temperature. Sounds dreamy. And <laughs> much like an onsen when you go in a hot spring mm-hmm. and you there's a lot of rules around it, but uh, you bathe, you shower basically before you get into the bath. So you get into the bath clean into this hot water and kind of soak for a while. Mm-hmm. So that might be a bath in someone's guest house or it might be an actual onsen, a hot spring. So... Every night I was in hot water, which oh. completely sapped me, though. I just kinda, there was one night where I came back to my little room and my mats and, you know, there's no place to sit. So and they don't put out your futon until you go to dinner. So I honestly, I was oh. just so dead from hiking. And then this onsen sit, I'm like, I just laid on my mats on the floor yeah. for probably a half an hour. Oh. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't move. Nice. But it was great. <laughs> So the onsen stuff too, the things to know is, yes, you shower beforehand and you shower typically in public. It's a little, I mean, I shouldn't say, well, it is public, but it's separated by men and women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you get into the, to the onsen. And one of the rules is you have to be completely nude. You cannot wear anything Mm -hmm. in that onsen or in the public bath. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's because, like I said, their idea of bathing is that you do that when you're clean. So it's it's very specific that you can't wear anything in there. Mm-hmm. And some people kind of freak out about it. I it didn't bother me, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> Just so. I do want to add to that right now because actually my uh my my brother and um, his wife, who you guys just heard a couple episodes ago talking about her Knowles experiences, they actually just also did this for their honeymoon. And um, that was a question for them was like, were they going to get to go in the hot springs together ever, you know, like as a couple. And so I just do want to say that there are certain specific places where you can have private onsens like for male and female. Um, Did you ever see those? Like, were you ever? Oh, yeah. Some, okay. of the, some of the places I stayed had that yeah. and you just had to basically reserve them in advance. There you go. Yeah. Um, the other thing is like the place where I stayed, one of the places where I stayed in kind of this bigger luxury uh, Ryokin, the river, which was the hot spring river, was running right outside of there. So if you didn't want to go into their kind of indoor onsens, you could just, you know, sit in a swimming suit or jog bra and pants or, what, or shorts mm-hmm. and sit in the river. And lots of people mm-hmm. did that too. Cool. So that was a way more kind of social aspect to uh, kind of more typical of how we hot spring, I suppose, at least in Colorado. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> so there were, there are options. Not all places are, you know, along the river. <laughs> yeah. So, but I did have some places like that. And if you want to do that, if you want to experience that, you just, you know, you would tell Oku and they can set all that up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... I can't even remember. We were talking, we were about, talking the- about the places you were staying oh, and the gosh. guest houses yeah. and the people yeah. you were meeting and all of that. Just Yeah. So 
all of them were a little different, um, different sizes, different feelings, but most of the places, except for kind of that bigger Ryokin, you know, I didn't have a lot of exposure to talk to a lot of people there. Um, cause you know, I find the bigger places you stay, the less social they are, you know, mm-hmm. it's weird, but, um, but I did have plenty of opportunities though to talk to people otherwise. And there were even a few times where, oh my God, it was so cute. There was this Japanese group, probably about 12 people or so that uh, I was passing. And these tall, older Japanese women were in the back and we were getting ready to go up this, you know, switchback pass. And they were stopping and, and I said hello to them and they gave me chocolate before I went up the pass. <laughs> it was so cute. And we kind of started talking. They had a guide so he could translate mm. and they were going to be doing the Camino de Santiago later in the year. And we started talking. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're like 74. They were yes. super cute. And uh, they were just slow and steady. They were awesome. And then the woman gets out of her bag. She's like, wait, wait. She gets out of her bag, this beautiful little like silk purse, like tiny uh, that would kind of mm-hmm. go with a kimono and she gives it to me and as a gift, Wow! like chocolate wasn't enough. What? <laughs> You're like, I'm not worthy. <laughs> it's true. Japanese form. Like I said, oh. perfection, oh. you know, she pulls out, she pulls it out and she's like, wait, and she pulls out like three others. So I get to choose my pattern. Oh my gosh. I, so I choose a pattern and then she pulls out these little individual like plastic bag that she puts it in and, and like folds it all up and uh, gives it to me and I'm like oh my god this no is in the kidding the woods. What? <laughs> so they were they were super nice so you know wow. I even got a you know I even got some exposure and got to talk to some of those groups too as I walked by or maybe we met at a shrine or whatever mm-hmm. so yeah. But yeah there's there's a lot of opportunity to kind of learn along the way but my best advice there though is you're going to see a million things that you're going to have questions about and write them down and then ask when you get to someone that is, you know, comfortable speaking English and can give you that information. Yeah. That is really good advice because then you still, you know, it's a conversation starter. You get to meet people and you're learning along the way, especially if you're solo. So yeah. And there are so many questions. Like I can't Mm. even tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I bet. I I like just am trying to imagine this. It just sounds amazing and otherworldly to me. It is. It is. And it's a good, you know, it's a proper hike. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that's the other thing to know. Different from the, I did the whole Camino de Santiago. Um, it is a walk. I say the Camino Cotto is a hike. It is a proper hike. I wouldn't want to do it without hiking boots, yet there were some people that did, you know, just did it in running shoes or trail yeah. running shoes. I wouldn't want to do it without poles. There were younger people with better knees than me that did, I suppose. But mm-hmm this was hard. Like I was spent every day and then you'd have to get up and do it again. Yeah. Um, way, way more strenuous and difficult than uh, the Camino de Santiago by far. Yeah. (laughs) Something that you should probably train for, which I didn't. That's really good advice. Do you know what the total was that you hiked? Yes, I do. Um, so I did, wait a minute, let me look at this. I did actually write it down. So I did about 27.6 27.6 miles on okay. the trail, on the actual, what they would call the Nachahechi route, Nakahechi route trail. And then I did an extra day where I hiked with a monk that was another six miles. So on top you know, of I did that. about 30, yeah. So okay. I did about 33 miles in five, 33 and a half miles in five days. Okay. But it was proper, like, it wasn't ever altitude. You don't have to deal with the altitude. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like that last day, it really killed me. Actually, it was nine miles, I think. And it, you had a 2,600 foot climb in the first 2.5 miles. Wow! So I basically spent three hours just going up. Straight up. Up. Switchbacks. Yeah. Wow. Uh, It's just stairs, these stairs. Stairs. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, then I was so happy when I finally got to the top. I was practicing this because uh, the prior day I had went out with the monk. So I was practicing the the tips he had given me about like kind of walking and meditation, mm, cool. which worked about 75% of the way up. And then I gave up and started cussing probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I got to the top and I'm like, oh, thank God. It's all, you know, going to be easy from now on for the rest of the, you know, hike. And then I got up to the kind of the top 
kind of viewing point. And then it was all down the last really mile and a half. And it was these stairs that were just punishing because mm. it was, um, it was stone stairs. So it just, it's just not great for me. Right. But it was, I was so sick of stairs by the time I got to that last temple. Oh, I don't I can't blame even you. Tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, proper, definitely proper hiking, lots yeah. of roots, tree roots. Yeah. Lots of up and down. Yeah. Sounds like it. So in, in your opinion, who, who should do this trek? Like, who is this for? Hmm. Anyone, well, anyone who loves hiking, but you mm-hmm. have to like multi-day hikes because like I said, you're up the next day and doing another yeah. six to nine miles. And it's for someone who enjoys that kind of through hiking in which you do not have to, you know, camp yep. and carry your food, uh, which is the kind of stuff that I love, which is, you know, so it's really made for that yeah. kind of through hiking or kind of in a way hut to hut experience, mm-hmm. but the huts are nice little guest houses or hotels, yeah. but they furnish all the food. So that's who I would say it's for. And definitely appropriate for someone who's done the Camino de Santiago. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for another kind of pilgrimage like that, in fact, they also have something called a dual pilgrimage status that you Ooh. can get. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're so special. <laughs> <laughs> That's you yes. now, right? Yeah, technically it is. Yet wow. I, I, I didn't go through all the steps to actually physically get the status, but I know that I did it. Yeah. So, and, um, and you all now know as well. So. Yes. <laughs> Sherry Ott, dual status pilgrim. <laughs> yes. yes. Yeah. So, you know, for people who want that, it, it's perfect for them, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, and yeah. that's what those women that I met along the way were working on too. So they oh, were doing right. this and they were going to have to turn around and go do the, the Camino. So, yeah. So cool. Yeah. Um, we should probably mention this was luggage supported, correct? So you just had a oh. day pack with you? Yes. Um, so, but, but <laughs> they <laughs> do have a luggage service that they meaning not Oku. Well, I think Oku does actually Oku does have an option when you sign up with them. You could have your luggage moved, I think daily, but I'm not positive if it's if it's daily or every other day or if it takes two days. Or throughout Japan, there's these luggage services that you can move your luggage all the time, and it's super easy and it's very reasonable. But the thing is, is that they require t- two days to get there, so it wasn't something that I could like have my bigger bag move to each place every night and then show up and it was there. It was, you had to plan a little bit ahead. Okay. So like what Oku had recommended, and this is pretty much what I followed was, you know, I was there in Japan for three weeks. This was one week of it. So I had a much bigger bag. And before I even came down to the Kamanu Kodo, I shipped that bigger bag of stuff that wasn't hiking oriented onto my hotel for after the Kamanu Kodo. Okay. So I didn't have to worry about any of that. So I just took hiking stuff. And then even within that, I had another bag that I kind of shipped to the middle and then to the end of stuff that I didn't need on the trail, but stuff that I wanted access to in like the middle halfway of the through. trail. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Um, okay. So that was like more snacks or clean clothes or whatever. Yeah. So the idea is Yes, just take a day pack. Uh, however, I, I had to take something a little bit bigger than a day pack. I took more weight than what I wanted um, because I had a camera and a bunch of camera gear and I had a laptop I was carrying mm-hmm. with me. Oh, man. Um, oh, yeah. I hate traveling, <laughs> hiking with a laptop. Being a blogger, I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but it did allow me to get everything up yeah. uh, real time for the most part. So, But the other thing to know is that you could, you know, if you're, if you're not doing what I'm doing, carrying a laptop and doing photography, um, it would be very easy to do it with a laptop or with a day pack. And also every hotel that you go to or even guest house will offer you, you're going to wear slippers inside. So you don't need another pair of, of, you know, shoes. Mm, yeah. That's good like normally. Know. Yeah. You can just take your hiking boots. You do not need pajamas even because they give you little robes and most of them have these called yakatas and you're actually 
um, you're supposed to like walk around in the yakata in a, in a ryokan. So like you get in, I would like peel off my gross sweaty stuff, put it, you know, in the sink and start like washing it mm-hmm. and hang it to dry. And then I just put on my yakata and my slippers and then you go to dinner in the oh. yakata. Oh my go, gosh, stop it. You know, the breakfast, <laughs> you walk around town sometimes in them. That mm-hmm. I didn't get that crazy because I'm like, mm, no, but <laughs> definitely dinner and stuff. And it was, it's funny because you feel really weird walking down there, but everyone's eating dinner at a table in their little robe. Oh, (laughs) this sounds like me. I think I need to go. (laughs) Robes are one of my guilty pleasures. I love robes. (laughs) Oh, oh, you will like it. And then they, they have shampoo. They even, every place I went, and this is throughout Japan, has shampoo and a toothbrush and toothpaste and a washcloth. What? (laughs) Yeah. What? So, so honestly, you, don't you don't need to bring deodorant. hardly anything. Yeah. Deodorant. You want. Deodorant. Yeah. Deodorant. <laughs> yeah. Camera. Like your one change of clothes, yep. your layers for, for wet weather. And that's pretty much it. Yep. Yep. Wow. And okay. uh, so, so you can get away with a day pack and then just a little bit of planning with the luggage service. Yeah. Um, and it works really well. Yeah. Um, so. so which exact, like what was the exact route that you did? Can I did you tell most, us? So the most popular route is the Nakahechi route. Um, and that's the one that will take you to two of the three temples via the trails. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the third one, it was unclear to me if you could actually get there via a trail. If you could, it must be really hard because Oku doesn't really offer that as an option. And I never heard of people doing it either. So, okay. I don't know, but you finish, otherwise you finish at the second temple, you take a bus down normally and stay in the little seaside town there. And then you can take a train to the next temple. Okay. Um, and this was a five, just a five day part mm-hmm. of your three weeks in Japan, correct? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like I said, I did this walk with a monk one yeah. day, which wasn't really a part of the trail, but talk about like that was a good thing to do to really learn a lot more about the spirituality of the Japanese and the woods and how this all works. So Mm -hmm. he was great for that as, you know, just understanding the religion because it's very, it's very hard to kind of wrap your head around it. I think Um, the the mix of the Shinto and Buddhism. Um, So that was a good thing to do. And I think Oku offers that as one of your, you know, side things you can do. Um, yeah, I was going to say, how did you find that and where did you do it? Like, which day was that? It was, it was in the town of Hongu, which is a cute little town. That was where I stayed in an onsen by the river. And yeah, so that was just one of the things they offered there. They okay. normally, I think in some of the towns like Hongu and, and maybe another one or two, they offer a couple of like more cultural immersion type things. One of these things was walking with a monk. I think they do like paper making Mm -hmm. and stuff like that too. So Mm -hmm. if you want to, my original thought was I'm like, oh, you know what? I want a day off, you know, to rest my knees and so on. Um, So I thought I had built that in, but then I ended up doing this hiking with a monk, which was another six miles and it wasn't easy. So so I didn't actually get a a day off, but you could do it and go like make paper or whatever else shouldn't say have. Okay. So yeah. it's that part's kind of nice. But yeah, he was really great because he spoke great English. Um oh what was his name? Katsumi. Katsumi. Uh and he he was like <laughs> he was like the coolest monk I've ever met. Um I think he actually even cursed once. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> probably shouldn't say that, but he did. He was awesome. Um but th- this sect basically of, of being a monk in this, it's called the a Yamaguchi monk. They're just, they can be regular people. So like he actually owned a cafe and he's a licensed like mountain guide and uh, whitewater rafter and kayaker. Uh, so he's like a big wow. adventure guy. And he also studied for six years to be a Yamabushi monk. Wow. And those monks actually specialize in kind of hiking through the mountains. Um, that's how they do a lot of their, uh, what do I say, praying and spirituality and, and um, 
purification, all that stuff mm-hmm. is part of their training. And it's always walking through the mountains. They do these epic, epic treks. So he was really interesting. Yeah, that sounds like a really cool, like extra experience. Yeah, because he would also, we stopped at all those OGs and he yeah. would either chant, you know, and uh, uh, or pray. The chanting was really cool to even see. And, and he would explain all this different stuff about the OGs. And so that's where I learned a lot of stuff. There you go. That is exactly what I mean about the absence of a guide. You just see the little house, you see the stamp yeah. and you move on and like exactly. put him in the picture <laughs> and everything changes. Yeah, yeah. Totally. that's really cool. <laughs> Man, it was neat. So yeah, if you can if you can spend the extra day doing that, I would highly suggest that because you get so much more knowledge and it's 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 just a fun day. Mm-hmm. So cool, good advice. So yeah. um, well, this has been awesome. All of this information, <laughs> and you know what? Every time that I do these things, I it's like, I can't help but add it to my list. I'm like, I've just been in Japan for the last 45, 50 minutes. You know, I'm like, I need to see this. I need to experience this. I want to eat that food and talk to that person. And I'm like, so thanks, Sherry. Now I have to go. (laughs) Yeah, you do. You do. Well, and I actually, I went 12 years ago as a part of my initial career break travels that kind of started Mm -hmm. me on this whole road to travel blogging. I went to Japan as my last country and I was only in Tokyo for four days and I was fascinated with it. But ever since then, I've been wanting to get back mm. because it was so different. And once I heard that they had this Kamanu Kodo, there's also another pilgrimage there called the Shikoku te- temples. I've been wanting to get back ever since. And it was great. I was so happy to be able to spend extra time there and spend a whole three yeah. weeks and really dig into the country because it's worth it. And and now that you've done the Kamano Kodo, what was your feeling about that? How do you feel about having accomplished that? I want more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I loved it. I really did. I loved it. It felt great to be able to be out doing daily hiking again and being mm. in the woods and being so alone at points where you just, you know, you're just sitting there and you're listening to the wind through the trees and the bugs and it is very, very therapeutic to me. For me, I would have liked to even go longer probably and either do some of their other hikes because some of the other ones are longer or other, you know, I know Oku offers a few different hikes throughout Japan, like these multi-day hikes. Because I also feel like when you're doing through hiking, like something like the Camino, it normally takes about a week for your body to go, oh, this is what we're doing. We're eating and walking and sleeping. Okay, got it. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you get into this pattern. And I think that is one thing about the Camino that you can kind of really get into this, this state of, I don't know, meditation. It was a little bit harder to get there in just the five days I was on the trail. And you have to concentrate so much more on the trail. So I would have liked longer. So, you know, next time I want to do more. Ooh, maybe we can go together. That would be fun. There's an idea. Uh Uh-oh. It is. Oh my God. I would, I, I was sad leaving there after three weeks. And I, like I said, I woke up this morning thinking about my miso soup and, and it is, it's such a beautiful countryside. Um, just all of Japan and they've got giant mountains, um, not down in the key peninsula. I want to say the highest altitude was Oh gosh, might have been, you know it hovered around five thousand feet probably mm-hmm. at the most. But you go up to other parts, and where I was, where I traveled in some other areas, and they call them the Japanese Alps, and those were like ten thousand foot mountains, mm-hmm. and they still had snow on them. And people, I met some people who were trekking up there, and I'm like, oh, now I want to go up there. Oh, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful place for adventure travel, really is. Well, I'm gonna have to make it there someday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I really appreciate you sharing so much about it. I feel like that's um, going to be like this episode is going to be such a stepping stone, I think, for people to get there. Um, so, so, yeah. And so you're going to be publishing about this. Yes. Um, where so can people writing... find all of that? Oh, 
Thank you. Uh, they can find it at otsworld.com. So um, Ot is my last name, if you haven't figured that one out. <laughs> and uh, so it's just otsworld, O-T-T-S, world.com. And um, I'll probably be writing about it over the next month or so. And what I tend to do on these through hikes that I cover is I'll do some kind of, you know, kind of more personal narrative about it, but then also give a kind of an FAQ document with everything about Mm. where to stay, how to prepare, what gear should you take, all of that based Mm. on my experience um, there. So that will all be there. Um, And I suppose I can note that I did the Camino de Santiago seven years ago uh, over the course of five weeks. And ever since then, I've written extensively about that, but ever since then I have been on a quest to find other things like it. So one of the things that I kind of focus on on my blog is through hiking Mm -hmm. like the Camino de Santiago. Um, So I have a bunch of different ones on there. The St. Olaf Ways, which is up in Norway, Mm. the Lycian Way, which is in Turkey, the Appalachian, or not the Appalachian Trail, I'm sorry, the um, Annapurna Circuit in Nepal. So the W, like you mentioned, down in Patagonia. Um, So yeah, so if you're a through hiker, you know, that doesn't like to carry a tent and all your food. I have a lot of different options. Yay. I feel like we need like five more episodes now. <laughs> I'm talking about all this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, around the world with Sherry. Oh, man. Oh, well, I've been at it for a very long time. So. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, you guys have one stop shop, all the resources at otsworld.com. Um, yeah. And you're on Instagram too, at Otsworld. Same thing. Yep. So mm-hmm. yeah, her photos are up right now. You guys can go check those out if you want, but yay. So, okay. Well, thank you, Sherry, so much. Um, is there anything yeah. else that you want to add before we, before we go? No, I don't think so. I've got some other good hikes coming up this year. So yeah, definitely check out the blog, check out Instagram, doing a lot of hiking and traveling this year. So yay. that's my favorite. Thanks. You know, say hi. <laughs> yeah. Sherry's really nice. We actually are friends in person as well. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> we run into each other here and there across the world. It's good times. Oh, you know, yeah. one thing I should say, I always forget this, is much like you running trips to Patagonia, uh, last year I started running trips to mm-hmm. Ireland. And yeah. so I have an Ireland hiking trip coming up in o- October. There you go. And I still have a few spots open on it. Cool. So um, check if you yeah. ever wanted to go to Ireland and hike in a off the beaten path place, um, I've got it for you. And uh, we do photography. I teach some photography along the way. A lot of local, local experiences in an area that is not well touristed at all, but is beautiful. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I will be seeing you in Sweden, right? Yes. Yeah. And yes, also in Denver, like next week for OR, which I is know, exciting. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, um, thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. And um, yeah, we will. I, I'm kind of serious about those other episodes. So we'll have to see what, see what we can do about those other hikes you've done. But yeah, yes. no, for now, thank you so much. And it's been, it's been great having you. Yes. And let's go to Japan. Woohoo. I want to. Let's do it. Okay. (laughs) All right. Bye, Sherry. Bye. Okay. Who wants to go to Japan now? I know you're out there. I know it's happening to you too. I know it's only a matter of time before I end up going there myself. I can't believe I haven't been yet. Um, So Sherry mentioned two things after we stopped recording. I'm going to share those right now. One was that while this has nothing to do with safety, she does recommend um, going to Japan as, as a buddy trip. Like bring your buddy, go with somebody simply because she said, and I quote, there's just so much crazy stuff. You just need someone else to witness it all with you. And if you've ever seen the Instagram photos from your friends who go to Japan and meet Pikachu mascots on the streets, you might understand that suggestion. Um, So that's one thing. She said, go with a buddy. And she also said that the Kamano Kodo is not something that you can set up yourself. You will end up on too many Japanese websites and not be able to work your way through the logistics. So it's best to book it through a company. And I did mention at the beginning of the show that I have something special for you, just for you. Uh, You heard us 
mention a company called Oku Japan several times throughout this episode. They are the ones Sherry traveled with. They are the ones my brother and Chelsea booked their honeymoon through. And if you want to book with them when you go to Japan, I have a 5% discount for you. Yay! Um, So all you have to do is use the promo code Jackie5. I hope you know how to spell my name. J-A-C-K-I-E 5, the number 5, Jackie5, to save 5% on any booking with Oku Japan. That's O-K-U, Oku Japan. And you can find them at okujapan.com. Um, when you book, you can just put the promo code in the notes section to make sure that they see it so you can get your discount. So pretty cool. Hey, huge. Thank you to Oku Japan for hooking us up with that. I can't wait to hear about your experiences in Japan if, and when you decide to go. Um, and as always tell me about it. If you do, you can find me on Instagram at traveling Jackie. Let me know if you decide to go, I will celebrate that decision with you. All right. Uh, I think that's it for today. Hope you guys enjoyed that overview of the Kamano Kodo. First time we've talked about Japan on this podcast, which is pretty exciting. Um, And stay tuned because we have a mini world tour coming up in the next episode. We just have one more that falls under this series of hiking and long distance trekking, etc. And it's a really good one. So I will see you guys in the next episode. Until then, safe travels. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.